0: The Best RPG Table Ever presents Case Taciturn Hedge, a homebrew adventure for the Laundry Files role-playing game system by Cubicle 7, inspired by the Laundry Files, a series by novelist Charles Strauss. While all of the adventures you will hear directly played in this podcast are homebrew, we do make reference to pre premades from other sources, including Cubicle 7 and Delta Green, a supplement for Call of Cthulhu. We wish to acknowledge our sources and thank them for the many, many hours of entertainment and joy that they have brought us. was going to be my introduction, except Better Words Than That Bullshit.
1: Better Words Than That Bullshit, I think might be a better podcast name.
2: That is a great title, Better Words Than That Bullshit.
0: You know that feeling you get sometimes? The one when you wake up from a sound sleep? And you're certain, even though it's completely dark, that there's something standing there beside you. Or maybe it comes over you when you're in a wide open space. It seems like you should be safe, and yet, you know there's something watching you, waiting, studying your every weakness. Some people say it's the leftover part of our lizard brain. An evolutionary bygone that never went away. Something that kept us safe when we were coming out of the caves. Some people know the truth, that it's there still to defend us, that just because we can't see the glint in the monster's eye doesn't mean it's not there. Instead, these monsters wait beyond our reality itself, looking for any opportunity to tear their way through, sacrifice us for their own ends and goals. Of those who knew and understood this danger, they started to form occult intelligence agencies, bent in equal parts on keeping secrets from one another, and in preventing the end of the world. As the years and decades have passed, those agencies have grown. And for the United Kingdom and Northern Ireland, there stands Capital Laundry Service with Snake McCready and Wade Dagger. Life
2: has been very different since being inducted into the laundry. My name is not Reginald, nay, Reggie Carstairs. Reginald Carstairs was the name of the man who filed the insurance claim I investigated, the one that led to my induction. When Human Resources asked me to choose a name, I could not think of one other than his. I'm not creative, you see. Never had much use for imagination. I muttered another man's name because it was all I could think of when asked who I was going to be. Reginald Carstairs' mother had passed away under suspicious circumstances. She drowned in the Thames. Only she didn't. Intake made sure the inquest labeled her cause of death as accidental drowning, but her son, Reginald, knew that wasn't the case. Reginald Carstairs knew his mother couldn't swim and was deathly afraid of the water, even on holiday. So Reginald Carstairs hired a private investigator to look into why the insurance claim for wrongful death had been denied. Velma Carstairs heard the pipes. She resisted their call for days, for weeks, before succumbing to the fishermen and making her way to Riverside. No one could have prevented her untimely death at the young age of 58. I saw the fishermen. The journal itself wouldn't have been enough to provoke my... recruitment, I don't think. The story of the pipes, the sound of their warbling notes lilting up from subaquatic depths might have been. The eyes... The luminous, bulbous saucers peering up at me from just under the surface, no more than two feet of the water. I can't say they were malevolent. Am I malevolent when taking a plate of fish sticks out of the microwave oven? Are the men crewing the trawlers malevolent when baiting the hooks, casting the reels, throwing the nets into the sea? Is it malevolence to seek sustenance? I may have to rethink what I eat. Remembering Velma made me aware of the tensions within the muscle structures behind the black pearlescent eyes, within the fins, within the tentacles that were bracing against water to push off like a person would press against the starter's blocks to launch into the hundred yard dash. That second's awareness is what saved me from the hook. I hurled myself backwards with the same spring as the black pearl piper launched himself upwards. I fell, of course. I am not under any illusions that I am an agile man. I kicked at the stones, scrabbling to find purchase to propel myself backwards, clawed tentacles whipped over the edge of the sculpted embankment. The black pearl piper seemed confined to the Thames. A tentacle slapped stone between my ankles as I scrabbled backward, striking with enough force to chip a fragment of cobblestone from the ground. That fragment is in my coat pocket now, A reminder of what might have been had that claw at the end of the tentacle struck home less than a meter to either side of where it did. Instead, I scrambled backwards and continued scrambling until my back was against the building some fifteen meters from the embankment. I hoped that was far enough, but the fisherman's hooks hadn't struck any further inland than that first blind grasping. I watched it, three, four of the ropey tentacles striking simultaneously, grasping for prey, slowly accepting that I'd slipped the line and gotten away. I hope it was enraged. I hope it wasn't an expert at its craft, knowing another would follow the pipes. But I suspect it is, and I was the lucky one to have thought of Velma at the critical moment. Reginald Carstairs. That's who I'm not, today. On the first excursion, Mr. Dagger and I shared without the rest of the team, we were responsible for the induction of a team of recruits who had witnessed something otherworldly, and Wade was explaining to them that they got to pick new names. I reacted with shock and surprise. A new name? You You don't have to use your own? So that day, I submitted a request, to change my name to Snake, after Mr. Kurt Russell's portrayal in both Escape from New York and Escape from Los Angeles. A few weeks later, I decided I wanted another. I did not want to be Snake Plissken, but I also adopted the last name of one of Mr. Russell's iconic characters, that of R.J. McCready in John Carpenter's The Thing, which seemed much closer to what we deal with on a daily basis than did escape from both New York and Los Angeles. So today, in honor of Mr. Russell and who I would like to be, I am referred to as Snake McCready.
1: Group grew up a poor hoodlum in a tower block in South London and Croydon. All I knew is it was shitty and I wanted away from there to do that, I needed money. I was bigger than most of the other shits around, so I took their money. That moved me only so far. I moved along like that for quite some time. Call me a follower, minion, cultist, what have you. The trick to that is, you learn to know when the smart shits are about to outthink themselves and flush everything. You figure that out. Learn to duck out when the bog roll is down to cardboard, then you just wave goodbye as the smart shits flush themselves. The year before I was impressed into the laundry, I don't know how else to refer to it. They impressed me. Just like the old boys at the taverns, I was impressed into the laundry. The year before I was impressed into the laundry, I pulled in 112,000 pounds that year. Just from being the big fucker smart shits think for. But. At the time they grabbed me, I wasn't just doing production or bagging cash for folks anymore. That year I was a full-on cultist. Now, I was never big on God or gods until this old broad I was doing things here and there for. One night she called me over and I thought, sure she was going to try to seduce me? But no instead she wanted to show me what i was working for i told her i was working for the money she said no no and she said something with like six or eight k syllables and called him up for me to see big blubbery tentacly thing like half a starfish she worshiped that fucker. it was a lot like when i was a little kid when i wasn't quite as big as all the other little shits around and You kind of attach yourself to one of the bigger shits for protection. Just what worshipping was. Made the same kind of sense. So, cultist. You could have called me a cultist. Still, I knew how to steal shit and intimidate people. So, I just kind of fell into it. I, I was never a big believer. It just made sense at the time and the people... Call it a bad crowd I was running with or, you know, no clear, scratch that, lack of vision. Call it lack of vision. Call it my own lack of vision. I was a cultist when the laundry found me, doing a job for a fellow named Brownstone. I think it was a joke. He was also selling heroin as well as killing kids. It all gotten hazy at that point, but the money was pretty good, so I didn't ask too many questions. To my surprise, when the laundry shot just about everybody else in the, let's call it organization I was with, uh, they kept me alive. They said they had uses for me, seen enough to make myself useful. All I've ever done is make myself useful. Got paired up with my team, moved in with my crew. I started working with Snake. It's the smartest shit in the house. That's where we are now. That's where we're at. That's it. Can I go?
0: Three other members of the team were brought in around the same time. Officially, they comprise the Accelerated Asset Recovery Management Team. Forgot your agency laptop on the tube? Managed to leave your mobile in the back of a black cab? Or, let's be honest, on the pay most receive at the laundry on the tube as well? Call AARM and they'll help you out. Assuming they're not in the field, equal parts capable agents and acceptable cannon fodder. Five weeks ago, a rather unusual request had come through careful diplomatic channels. A potential incursion of Pluto Cobalt, MIGO, fungi from Yugoth, near an almost abandoned Air Force Base near Platte, Nebraska in the United States of America. The fact that the Black Chamber, the United States of America's equivalent of the Laundry, had requested assistance at all was stunning.
1: While we're going to do this, I think we should get some hogs. Have you seen hogs yet, Snake? They're Hands of Glory. Hog is short for Hands of Glory, and it can blast out energy, but also when they're mirrored, they can make you invisible.
2: Yes, we use the uh, chimpanzee-sized Hands of Glory on the cordless arrow.
1: That's right. Okay, so you have seen them. Anyhow, we're gonna get we're gonna get a couple of those. And a chimpanzee size, um, sure. Right or gorilla? We'll see if they'll give us a gorilla. Anyway, we're gonna get a hold of those, and then um, I was also thinking I'd request some C four because the worst thing they can do is say no. What are they gonna do? Take away my birthday? Fuck them! I'm gonna ask for some C four and see if I can get it. Mostly to see if I can get it. How much should I get?
2: What's a reasonable request that you don't think would be denied? Two something, two kilograms.
1: We'll get two kilos.
2: Two kilos. Two kilograms. I don't yeah, like two kilos. Well, see, I'll just
1: ask. That seems like a nice round number. They won't give it to me. Come on, what the fuck? <laughs> why? Why would they possibly? I, I haven't even trained to use demo with them. I. I mean, I know a little bit of.
0: Mr. Dagger. Do you have your requisition forms?
1: Yeah, all six of them. And they're filled out in triplicate. And then you'll notice the carbon paper. I reused one piece of carbon paper. When you're doing the thumb disposal of paperwork, just note that there's only one carbon paper that's been used. The other ones can be recycled.
0: Very thoughtful.
1: Just normal stuff, you know, ammo, uh, just making sure our wards are good.
0: Oh, <coughs> I see you've got your line manager's signature. You have the budget of the requesting department. Your paperwork is in order. We'll have it ready in 15 minutes. Really? <laughs> of uh, course.
1: Okay. Great. That's that's great. great. Thank you very much. Um due to the unforeseen event that I uh it's very efficient with my paperwork. They've given us two kilos of C4. We have those now. On on top of the hogs and the ammo and the wards and all, all of that, plus, um, plus two kilos of C4.
2: Do you feel adequately prepared?
1: I, I feel unnerved, if I'm being completely honest. I don't know.
2: Because yes. oh, what you ask for, you just might get it.
0: The discoveries made at the Air Force Base were intriguing and alarming, but Snake McReady and Wade Dagger, recently removed from lead on another case, were sent on the job, and the toll it took was not insignificant. The cumulative toll, in fact, of the past four missions was snowballing, and the decision was made to send both agents to Dunwich, the Laundry's seaside resort town reeking of fish and stale saltwater, where those who had seen unspeakable horrors could commiserate over a pint and a slightly stale packet of crisps, maybe take a course on stress management or survival and evasion. Usually both. They worked well together overall. A month was spent in Dunwich, giving them a chance to recover their senses and their stability. During the month at Dunwich, Snake and Wade had the opportunity to undertake numerous training courses, including those on Occult Computing and Interdepartmental and Interagency Relations.
1: I can't get enough of Interdepartmental and Interagency Relations. I really love it.
0: As many teaching the course and taking it have pointed out, that's where the true money lays. Become a liaison and you're set for the rest of your life, and whatever use the laundry has for you after your life, depending on how useful you've been. A good portion of the time was also spent, at least on the part of Snake MacReady, in a therapy session with one of the many trained staff kept on site just for such cases. So, Mr. McReady, you've said that you feel incapable. What do you think is causing that feeling? Are
2: those the words I used? I remember feeling frustrated and inefficient. I don't know that I would choose the word incapable. I I know what I'm capable of, and I'm capable of a great deal, and I'm capable of a great deal more than I was six months ago when, when brought into the organization. But it's the frustration... It's difficult to go back to these moments. We were removed from Taciturn Hedge because we were ineffective.
0: Case Taciturn Hedge had been assigned six weeks previously to the Accelerated Asset Recovery Management team. There had been rumors online of a gentleman incredibly skilled with special effects and makeup artistry heavy into the horror core and deep gore looks. Those working for the laundry had a little bit more concern, as the chanting heard in the background of all of the videos shared on TikTok and Instagram was a little too precise to be random mumbling in basic Latin, a little too directed. In checking the areas out, they had confirmed at each location where a video had been recorded, an incursion had occurred. Beings from a different plane coming over possessions and ghosts, helping to tear that fabric of our reality and helping to tear that safety net just a little bit more, making it a little easier for everything waiting on the other side to reach through and take us. And so, Accelerated Asset Recovery Management had been assigned.
2: I apologize for requiring the distinction, but the incapable suggests that the problem is within myself. And that's not how I view it. Uh, On Taciturn Hedge, we recovered two of the three devices we were sent to procure. That may not be the word that I wanted. Uh, It's a complicated web because we, we discovered that not only was the laundry involved, but the Black Chamber was involved and MI6 was involved. And so there are multiple players, actors, within the framework we're discussing. And my problem was not in my inability to do anything. You'll find in the shootout at the gas station where we recovered the two devices, I provided defensive shielding through my own computational sorcery. That's not the word I want. I don't like the word magic. Uh, But I, I, I was providing for the team. And in reflection, it occurs to me that our shootout was likely with MI6, who are not the faction that we were attempting to defeat. I would suspect that someone within, within MI6 shielded the loss of that third device. So I believe there's a connection between MI6 and the bad actor in, in Cardiff, and that creates an interagency <laughs> conflict that I'm not aware of. And and that frustration is we're all looking at a global invasion and destruction that's somewhere from three to five years out. And we're all squabbling amongst each other as if we're not going to be slaves to an extra-dimensional god in the next half-decade or less. That's where my frustration comes from. Not from my inability to, to solve the case.
0: Wade Meanwhile, spent most of his time perfecting a rather rambunctious and well-received karaoke routine at the Drowned Squid, the preeminent and also only pub in all of Dunwich. So, Mr. Dagger?
1: What did Snake say?
0: Mr. MacReady said many things.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure he did.
0: What do you say?
1: Whatever Snake said, I'm sure it was better.
0: Oi, dagger! You're up. Your turn.
1: Every now and then I get a little bit lonely, and you're
2: never coming round. Turn around. How long have now they been
0: doing I this in here? Every night. They've been doing the it every night for the tears. past two. Oh, he's getting better. Early. Bright it's bright. Early. You mentioned black chamber involvement and a shootout at a petrol station. Care to elaborate on either of those?
2: What would you like uh, elaborated on? Um, The team picked up a tail and I was on my computer and they suspected that the tail had hostile intentions. I don't know that we had evidence to that and the team opted to confront the tail at a petrol station gunfire became involved very very quickly
1: no you can cut straight through a building with an automatic shotgun it's amazing it was just right across the top of the petrol of the petrol pumps just through the main building and just all of it just like it was like cutting through with a saw. (laughs) And Americans can just buy that at Walmart.
0: It seems you prefer more subtlety in your work. I think, uh...
2: I don't know that I would choose the word subtlety. I I prefer efficiency. I don't believe an airstrike uh, on a, a... on an American Air Force base would be considered subtle and yet once we uncovered what was present in Nebraska was it? I I get confused by those states Nebraska? Kansas?
1: So one of the Pluto Kobolds was chasing us right in the dark and we're running on this gravel and I think to myself I don't have a torch or anything but I do have an automatic shotgun so I spin around and it just i let the tracers light up behind us and i just i i shot it to shit it just it dissolved in front of us
2: i just don't believe that the most appropriate tool for every situation is a hammer i I don't think that every every problem is a nail to be driven sometimes there are other solutions that may not be as confrontational especially when you haven't ascertained the nature of the enemy just yet
1: then we called in an airstrike right so these three planes come in and they just blow everything to hell just kaboom boom 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 Did did you ever see um uh empire of the sun when the when when the when the uh when the airfield gets bombed and there's the big explosion and it turns out that um a little the little actor boy the little batman he fucked that take up he was supposed to do it different but he fucked it all up
2: i'd like to clarify that uh when we were on amigo hunting uh As we arrived, I pointed out the presence of a helicopter because I had a hunch that that's how we would be departing the area. But more importantly, we didn't call in the airstrike. Uh, We reported back with video footage of what we had found and we were told to evacuate immediately because an airstrike was impending. That wasn't our call. That was Miss Dietrich's decision based on the evidence that we sent her. So at that point... Uh we had not chosen the hammer with the exception of defending ourselves. The hammer was chosen by Miss Dietrich to resolve the situation as we escaped.
0: Could you tell me a little more about the video, the evidence of what it was you found that caused such a response?
1: So we look inside the hangar, and just off a hangar lobby? I don't know what to call it. Just off the hangar lobby, we look in, and it's fucking Pluto. It's just... It's Pluto in there, and we could, like, the gravity's fucked up, and everything's cold, and it smelled like frozen pork. And, and, uh, it takes us a couple of seconds to realize it, because, you know, I've never been to Pluto, but like, like, it takes us a few seconds, and we go, oh shit, this is Pluto! So we go, like, there's and there's dead guys and there's there's big fungus monsters. It was for reals fucked up. It was, it was for reals fucked up. And oh shit, um, peanuts they're on the. I am I, I, I got it. I'll clean it.
2: So when we looked into the hangar, there's, our assumption was we were looking at what we can only describe as Pluto. Uh, I mean, I don't know that I could see as much space as I could if I were standing on the surface of Saturn, or I'm going to say Uranus. Did have this odd smell of pork, but we knew that what we were looking at wasn't terrestrial, uh, and therefore we ascertained that we were looking at a gateway to a a remote section of the cosmos from where we where we are on Earth. At which point. It was a momentary urge to step through and explore, but the fact that I was not wearing any sort of spacesuit or supplementary oxygen prevented me from making such a move, and we therefore retreated and sought further counsel.
0: I was going to say, that must have been quite interesting.
1: No, I, I haven't been in the field this much. I sound like one of those fucking thousand yard staircase. I haven't been in the field that much. I've been in the field like three times. It's just that every time we're in the field, and and i worked this out, and I've said it to my line supervisor, and she said she talks a lot. She said, um...
0: Listen guys, that's just the way it goes, okay? It's just the way it happens sometimes. Everything goes wrong. Nothing is going to happen the way you expect it to beyond the very first step that you take, and sometimes not even the first step that you take because things are going to go really screwy. Regardless of what happens, there's always going to come a point where you go, oh shit, we gotta run.
1: And do you call it microdosing?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's great. It does great things for me. I used to be really wound up, but it is really super helping. It is amazing. I actually had like three and a half hours of sleep the other night. It was fantastic.
1: So, there there comes a point, like my line manager says, there comes a point in every mission uh, where it's running and screaming time. It's, it's, it's like right after you figure out what it is you're facing, or right after you figure out what it is the bad guys have planned, there's a moment where you're just balls out running as fast as you can, waving your hands over your head, and pushing elderly people out of your way. It's just that balls-out moment, which is what happened when we found the Pluto Gate and tore off.
2: I don't run. Uh, Running is... uh, I want to say it's unbecoming a citizen of the British Empire, but that seems overly reductive and simplistic. I walk aggressively Uh, the the term might be power walking but I don't I think the word power is somewhat unattractive Uh, we looked at what we were facing Um, we took video evidence we documented uh, we began to leave because continuing in would have been life threatening at which point we were let's say accosted by the migo and as we retreated in in my power walk mr dagger laying down suppressive fire it, it was somewhat poetic the way that the utter blackness of of the night was illuminated by the tracer rounds mr dagger was firing and we could only see the approaching migo the aggressively approaching migo in the light of the tracer rounds as they flashed from his muzzle, from the muzzle of the automatic shotgun. Wade doesn't fire tracer rounds from his mouth.
1: Fluid to shit!
2: Now, our other team members, the ones who are with us on uh, taciturn Hedge, Mr. Jack, uh, Mr. Knowles, they're very, very decisive and they, and they make decisions from a perspective of someone who's been a part of the laundry for much, much longer than I have. And I would suggest that I defer to those decision making processes when I'm with them in the field, just as I deferred to Miss Dietrich uh, once we had documentation of what we were viewing. Perhaps that's a flaw in my own character, that I should uh, be more decisive and make those choices, but I'm not sure the laundry wants me to make those decisions.
0: I have to ask, you mentioned a helicopter you noticed on the way in. I must admit, it feels like Chekhov's helicopter.
2: It did to me as well. As we arrived, I was looking for the exit strategy, should things go badly, because the more prepared I am for exit, the less likely I am to have to run. And I noted the helicopter, and I pointed it out, and I said I would suggest that would be an excellent exit strategy, and we're likely to use it, so yeah, yeah. yes, Chekhov's Helicopter is an apt label for it.
1: Literally what Snake called it when we saw it. (laughs) (laughs) Called it Chekhov's Helicopter.
0: Do you know what that means, Mr. Dagger?
1: Uh, um, That's the guy from Star Trek, right?
0: You were able to extricate yourself and return safely here and and to dunwich
2: we made a priority of protecting the pilot yes uh, there were two people on base who could fly it that we knew could fly it and we made sure that at least one of them was leaving with us yes
1: so right away because we knew we we're going to have to use the star trek guys helicopter we went and found a pilot for it and like Snake said, whatever else happens, that guy has to live. And I went, no, you're right. That guy's got to live. And so we saved the guy who we knew from the dossier going in was a fucking lunatic and speed demon who had, like, just an insane hot rod car. And we get him in the helicopter, and he's flying us out of there, like, seconds before the entire base goes like an Empire of the Sun. And he's flying the helicopter along the freeway to get us to the airport. He's flying off the ground, three meters off the ground, like the whole way in. Look, the point is he's a fucking lunatic, and we saved his life, and I still have his helmet.
0: After a month of recuperation, Snake and Wade perform one final grand send-off at the drowned squid.
1: No, but seriously, do you want another round? I can stand another round. Do you want another round? Okay, I'll get, just, I'm gonna bring back pints and you can have some if you want, also another bowl of peanuts, I spilled that, don't don't eat those.
0: The next morning found them standing in the Dershams train station, preparing to head back to London.
1: Well, you've been standing here, I, uh, waiting for our train. Like you should, why wouldn't you wait for our train here?
2: You know I don't exist when you're not around, right? (laughs) I I had my suspicions.
1: But uh, while you were here, I was on the phone to health and safety. And I used something that my instructor at Dunwich was talking about, where you can make budgetary requests through health and safety if you can convince health and safety that uh, undue stress to... Given field operatives is being caused by public transportation of a certain order, so I got us bumped up to business class in perpetuity until we proved that we're not stressed by a general ticket so um capital well done I did the thank you. I do this on behalf of my boss who keeps insisting he's not my boss, um, trying to keep him happy, you know like a good subordinate would though who's that. I'm, I'm not your subordinate. You've told me a hundred times, but- You're referring to me. No, me, I'm not your subordinate.
2: Right, but when you say the person who insists he's not your boss, you're referring to me.
1: Yeah, You, you who insist you're not my boss.
2: We're assigned to the same team. We're workmates, we're colleagues. Sure thing, boss.
0: The trains carrying Snake and Wade made a leisurely path southwest over the next four hours. They slowly made their way into London. And during that time they had a chance to reflect, a quick connection over the VPN, and Snake was able to discover that their team still had access to the case Taciturn Hedge files.
1: What what are you looking at? That's...
2: Have you any objection to looking into Taciturn Hedge again before Monday?
1: Nah no do
2: do you have no objection or no you don't want to do it
1: no I have no objection because all I'm going to do is go home and watch cricket and uh, putter around the kitchen trying to learn to cook so yeah let's um, let's do that
2: so I'd like to revisit some of the leads that uh, we didn't get an opportunity to investigate the previous time sure you do yeah. I, I, I do
1: yeah of course I, I'm yeah. saying, you yeah, a good idea.
2: It's settled then. Yes. Excellent.
1: Last word, freak.
0: <laughs> Ace Taciturn Hedge files had been updated while Snake and Wade had been on their rest and recovery, mandated by human resources and health and safety alike. While the updates were sparse, what they could find was alarming the number of incursions throughout cardiff had drastically increased chatter from thursday evening said that something was going down within 96 hours reading this saturday morning and realizing how much time they had already lost put a different spin on things there were a few more dossiers available about two individual camera operators believed to be working with revelson the cult leader or special effects artist, depending on who you asked. The Grey Lady, a woman named Anna Lawlinson, fired eight months ago from a librarian position at a private girls' school. And then nothing. No further activity. It was like somebody had put it down Friday morning and said, I'll come back to that this afternoon. Headed out for an early lunch that turned into a long lunch, skiving off to the pub. And it's Saturday morning, and there are 36 hours left in that countdown.
2: Our initial point of investigation was the social media accounts we had been made aware of. The gore makeup, the people present, the number of spectators, number of followers to those accounts.
1: Okay. Okay, look here. On social media, he's got all these finger puppet accounts. That are following him and commenting and, and liking and sharing shit. But then they get deleted as, as finger puppets. And so like you can't hold any data on him anywhere. Like, You see what I'm saying?
2: Perhaps it's rather pulp fiction of me. But my assumption is in an, in an investigation of this nature, you want to look for patterns. Whether the patterns in the data or patterns in the... Sure. You can look for patterns anywhere, really.
1: They're patterns. They're, and the human mind's really good at recognizing them, so we'll find think,
2: them. In this case, I've taken the physical locations of the incursions as, as determined by the laundry's report on their magical energies. And I've attempted to take that shape and treat it as a pattern. And in doing so, it seems like these incursions have happened in the, in the shape of the symbol of Abon
1: makeup company?
2: No, that's Maybelline.
1: Oh, okay. I I was actually talking about Avon, but, okay.
2: As in where the Bard is from? Stratford-upon-Avon? Sure. Wouldn't it be amazing if it was Stratford-upon-Avon and that Shakespeare himself was a cultist writing about... He didn't
1: write all those. Queen Elizabeth wrote all those.
2: No, 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 no. She she didn't. She didn't have the background.
1: She no, she wrote all those. I read a book. I I read it well, I read it. Okay, I no, read an Edmund I read the beginning of an article.
2: Queen. Queen El- it's not Queen Elizabeth either. It was it was King James.
1: No, that wrote Shakespeare's plays. It was Queen Elizabeth.
2: Right, okay. no, it was Edmund De Vere. <laughs> I'm done. Stratford upon Avon.
0: Abon is an ancient Hyperborean warlock, mortal for relative values of mortality, family. His father was a devout worshipper of Sesthagoa. He eventually escaped to Saturn following magical accusations and was worshipped as a god there. Prior to his escape to Saturn, he wrote the Book of Avon, a powerful grimoire that lists, among other options, a method for summoning Yoth and a way to give people green decay a case wherein someone is cursed to slowly decay, becoming a pile of mold vulnerable to daylight. He is believed to be located in the Dreamlands now and has created a net capable of capturing and entangling world-ending entities. What purpose he holds for this net is unknown.
2: The central point of the symbol is vacant, has not been the, the source of an incursion yet, so... so... My assumption is this is where we're investigating, and I would suggest we need backup because it's likely to be something nasty there, greater than what we've seen in the other evidence.
0: The research had taken all of Saturday afternoon and well into the evening. Every indication said that the warehouse found abandoned in that central point of the symbol of Avon was the next spot that would see something horrific coming through
1: you're trying to scry on that place with the warehouses
2: yes i've i've, I've taken a look i mean since i've cross indexed all of the other incursions and discovered this central location that has yet to have one i attempted to take a look at it magically and encountered resistance, it was difficult. So I zeroed in using technology, using Google Maps and discovered at one point there was a tree. A big creepy tree. Big creepy tree, but it's no longer there. It's been replaced with a shed and I can't scry within the shed.
1: Oh, I don't like that. The big the big lynching tree was replaced by an unscribable upon shed. That's that's really maybe, creepy.
2: Maybe the tree's in the shed? Maybe no, the,
1: no look how big this tree is. That shed.
2: Maybe the shed's much bigger on the inside.
1: <laughs> sure.
2: Maybe the shed's much bigger on the inside.
1: Have you ever thought about why Doctor Who can go in anywhere in space and time, but he spends most of his time in modern-day London? Isn't that kind of boring. Sorry. It's a thought I had that I could never shake and why I can't get into that show.
2: I've never been a in myself for, for similar reasons. It just doesn't connect with me.
1: I like looking at it on social media though. I don't want any context to ruin it. I just how crazy those fans get over that weird, weird show is is so much more fun than that show could ever possibly be
2: might anyway we blow up the shed with the c4 we've still got
1: yeah we've got the c4 it seems like those two are made for each other the exploding of the shed and the c4 let's
2: introduce them to one another i think encourage a social relationship between i
1: think they were made for one another i really do i think yeah that's what i think okay we're gonna blow the shit up out of that shed that's what i'm saying
0: The shed and the c4 were going to get on like a house on fire between them they had been able to determine that the most likely time of the next incursion event would be tomorrow evening shortly after sundown the next morning wade settled into the driver's seat Ensuring Snake was comfortable in the passengers, and set out on the two hour and 45 minute drive to Cardiff. Along the way, in consideration of what they were facing, it occurred to them that backup might not be the worst idea. Dietrich.
1: Hello. Miss Dietrich, this is Wade Dagger. Uh, Snake McCready and I are headed back into the field on Taciturn Hedge. We've got an angle on where we think the cultists are headquartered, um, or at least meeting with one another, based on some thomic geography we were looking at. Um, uh, we were looking for a timetable on when we could expect plumber reinforcement, and if we could requisition plumber reinforcement
0: ah if you're working taciturn hedge i'll be transferring you to ms tutzenberg one moment please
1: oh hey snake um take over this phone call take they're transferring me to ryoki i need you to take this i can't take this i can't (laughs) talk to her on the phone since I ended that one phone call with, okay, I love you. I don't love her. It was just like I was talking to my mom, and I said it out of habit, and I'd like not to repeat that. Take the phone. Take it now. Thank Thank you, Snake.
2: Snake's taking the phone.
0: Yeah, this is Ryoki. How can I help you? What's going on? Hello?
2: Hello. This is uh, Snake, Mr. Mr. MacReady. Mr. Dagger and I are en route to uh, Cardiff, and... It occurs to us we're, we're walking into a situation where we're unfamiliar with the size uh, of the opposing force. How long would it take? What are you take- doing in
0: Cardiff? What are you going down there for? You're not going down for the carnival. I would know if you're going down for the carnival. Also, you just came back from Dunwich. You're not going back into the field yet, are you? You couldn't be going back into the field yet. But you got transferred to me from Dietrich, which tells me it is Hedge. What do you think is happening?
2: I was just going to say we're just vacationing in in Cardiff, but uh, no, that wouldn't be true, no, would it? Um, It it seems that that all of the um, incursions happen in a pattern, um, a, a rune representing the symbol of Abon, and the center point of the pattern is yet to be filled. So we believe we are attempting to interrupt, intervene.
0: Hold on just a minute. Oh, Abon, I thought I knew that name. Oh, that is not good. That is really, really not good. You think they've got cultists going on down there? Do you think it's just a meeting place? Or do you think they're planning something? You said you were tracking things and there's a central point for the incursion. Is that where you're headed? Where is it exactly? Was it Cardiff?
2: That that is where we're headed. Uh, We're hoping we're in time to prevent some sort of ritual sacrifice uh, and whatever incursion they're trying to make happen at that location. Our question is, should we meet an overwhelming opposing force, how long would it take us to acquire backup?
0: Well, you're almost definitely going to meet an overwhelming force, especially if it's just you and Wade, but that's okay. Overwhelming forces are okay. Here's the deal. You remember what I told you before we sent you on your first mission, right, guys? And the deal with that is there's always going to be a point where everything falls apart and you have to run. There's no problem with running. Running is totally okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. If you need backup, though, which you're definitely going to need backup, it would take me about 20 minutes to get a team of plumbers out to you. I'd say 20, maybe give it 25 in case some of them aren't as much of a speeder as me. I don't know. They don't really pay attention too much, so I don't know. 20 minutes. Let's say 20 minutes. 20 minutes sound good? How far away are you?
2: About 40 minutes.
0: Oh, that's good. It'll give me time to give them a little prep time. All right. Sounds good. Give me a call before you go in.
2: Will do. See?
1: See? Every time she's talking, it's a mile a minute, and all I'm thinking the whole time is, just shut up. Just, you said (laughs) it. You only have to say it once, just shut up. Which is exactly how I feel when I'm talking to my mom.
0: The remainder of the drive was spent mostly in contemplation of what was coming up before them. When they arrived at the city blocks that surrounded the abandoned warehouse, the overall impression was one of grime, neglect, and just a little light criminality. The plot of land that the warehouse itself sat on was surrounded by a chain-link fence eight feet tall and topped with three separate rows of razor wire, pointed out, clearly meant to keep invaders from scaling the fence and trying to get inside. Even from the exterior, however, in the early afternoon sun, they were able to see that the floors were sagging for both the third floor and the second floor. There were holes in the walls.
1: Everything about this place is go away.
2: Doesn't it make it ideal for a ritual sacrifice?
1: Yeah, it would appear to.
0: In the early afternoon, the area was fairly quiet. Mostly parked cars, plenty of tires covered in cobwebs, and tickets for parking violations piled upon the windshields. As Wade and Snake surveyed the area, they decided to split up. Snake going to try and get a closer look at the building itself and Wade trying to get an eye on the shed. Firing up his iPad and numerous applications that had been reinforced both through the laundries and Snake's own magical abilities, he began to take a look at the building, relaying the information he found there to Wade through their airpieces.
2: So it would appear that uh, the structure itself has been altered to facilitate their activities it looks like the floor which is concrete or cement has been carved with symbols and patterns there is an altar that also seems to be part of the floor itself so there's nothing really to break if we were looking to disrupt a summoning circle by brushing away salt or something like that you really can't it's the it's the structure itself that has been made into their sacrificial ritual location
1: I'm over here looking at the shed, which is also shielded. I'm going to apply a little bit of Walter Koenig's C4 now and set up some charges.
0: As Snake and Wade were sharing their discoveries with one another, both of their phones buzzed briefly. A text from Ryoki, backup ready, call when needed. There weren't enough people here yet. More importantly, the right person wasn't here yet an hour passed and then another and a third as groups showed up clustering off into pairs taking up positions in alleyways and on benches and on front stoops and porches
1: have you notice all 14 pairs all 28 of them are wearing the same gray sweats with the yellow stripe with the symbol of abon on them
2: Snake shows Wade his iPad where he has designed the glamour for the two of them because they've got the option to go in invisibly carrying the uh, gorilla hands of glory but um, Snake wants the backup that they can assume the appearance of cultists and so his design on the iPad includes the sweatpants with the gold piping with the symbol of Avon on it.
1: It's just, it's just proof that the gig economy and social media presence has hit even these people, too. Branding is so important, even for the cults of the Squamish elder tours.
2: It feels like we, we, we need to track the garment itself. Somebody's making these.
1: I know six Asian sweatshops, they'll do you all sweatpants, whatever design you want on them.
2: Why do they have to be Asian?
1: They happen to be Asian.
2: You said you know six Asian sweatshops. I did. That seems discriminatory.
1: It happens to be the people doing it in the Lo-
2: six sweatshops? It's,
1: it's South London. I don't know what to tell you, Snake. It's just the people who run sweatshops in South London. What you look, I didn't I Don't judge me. I don't like your tone. I don't care for... You You are not doing a good job of saying colleague. You're doing a very good job of saying subordinate right now. I want you to be aware of that. Okay.
2: What? Excuse me? (laughs) I'm trying to keep you safe in this new modern world era.
1: Noises. Vague noises. Okay? Vague noises. We also let 28... These guys show up? We're bad at this. Twenty-eight guys showing up for whatever the fuck the cult is doing. I know we're waiting on the guy. I know we're waiting on the target to show his face. But the twenty-eight dudes backing him up is not that seems like bad it that seems like bad intel. That seems like bad ock intel. That's what that seems like.
2: Did you happen to notice the demographics of each of the twenty eight?
1: There's not an Asian among them. There's not, (laughs) is that what you're going for? There's not an Asian among them. Me? No, nothing of
2: the sort. Okay, okay, okay. Vague noises.
0: As Snake and Wade discussed vehemently the finer points of mass production of clothing and the potential downfall of social media on the younger generations most easily influenced, they noticed a panel van pulling up. All white, the only windows on the driver and passenger's doors, nothing on the large doors in the back. Straining to look and trying to see, couldn't tell who had come through. But as soon as that panel van showed up, all fourteen pairs of cultists began to emerge from their hiding holes, making their way towards a cut in the fence that was being held open by a large bodyguard. As the doors were opened, a better view of the interior of the building came up on the app that Snake had kept running this entire time, trying to glean any fragment of knowledge he could about what was about to take place here. Closer inspection available of the symbols carved into the floor. Fourteen points in total surrounding that sacrificial altar which now had its sacrifice. An unconscious and bound woman. Her face seemed vaguely familiar. They had seen it maybe on a poster outside, maybe on some news alert. But more importantly, above her and above the two guards who held her there on the altar stood Revelson, greasy black hair laying lank as he started to welcome his congregants and direct them to their points throughout the building. The sacrifice was beginning.
1: Okay, I'm getting the plumbers up. I'm calling them. Um, yeah, I think
2: it's time to go.
1: Yeah, it's go time.
2: Let's uh, approach with one of our disguises. Let's.
0: With the agreement to go in their disguises... Snake and Wade both activate the Hands of Glory, more commonly known as hogs in the parlance of the laundry and its field operatives especially. Keyed to react upon the speaking of a command word, they would grant a period of invisibility. The mirrored bases affixed to them also allowed them to double as a weapon. With the command word spoken, Snake and Wade went invisible and made their way to the cut in the chain-link fence through which the cultists were moving. As Snake and Wade approached the fence, Wade pauses, looking towards the corner of the lot and the shed there.
1: Uh, Time for that shed to die.
0: With the near-deafening explosion of the Shed, Snake and Wade rushed through the chain-link fence and through the open doors of the abandoned warehouse, seeing 28 cultists around them stationed on the floors, lighting candles and chanting in circles and shapes and moaning words that were not meant to be uttered by human throats. In the center of it all stood Revelson, one hand holding a sacrificial knife over the throat of the woman stretched upon the altar, and the other holding a phone up as he screamed, WATCH HOW BEAUTIFUL MY EFFECTS ARE!
2: There's our missing device.
0: Snake drew his warded handgun and took steady aim at the phone held in Revelson's hand, firing off a single shot. It was an astounding act of marksmanship. And it shattered the phone clean in half. Revelson stood shocked, looking around and attempting to understand where the damage had come from before bending low to scoop up another phone, hands turning still towards that woman stretched out before him. Wade, seeing the bodyguards holding the woman there, took aim upon them with his own shielded weapon, hitting one in the shoulder hard, dropping him low, almost unconscious. The other was similarly thrown back, and their blood began to mingle and to run down and around the edges of the altar. Seeing no reason to waste any more time, Wade scooped up the woman and shouted a warning.
1: You're all under arrest!
0: Before turning and heading back towards the long run to the doors and the outside. Revelson, holding a second phone and continuing to broadcast his message on whichever media would still allow him to put his gore and his horror out there, turned with a snarl towards his bodyguards, seeing their blood already flowing, and brought down his dagger in two quick slashes. More blood joined what was already there, began to follow the paths and the grooves cut into the floors. Seeking every circle and every notch that had been etched in, creating an incredibly difficult-to-break summoning circle. Having grabbed the woman and heading out, Snake was able to see her as well and followed Wade out the door. As they exited and boiled through the fence, still invisible and holding the woman, they saw two black Range Rovers pull up and five men get out of each getting ready to head through.
1: I'm going to get her in the Range Rover.
0: Wade carried the unconscious woman to the back of one of the Range Rovers and put her in there before closing the door.
1: They're going to have to debrief her.
2: Yes, she'll she'll require.
0: Disaster averted. They'd stopped the cultist. They'd saved the girl. Backup was here. They were safe. Both their phones lit up with an urgency they had never felt before. Message was clear, and it crackled over their earpieces as well, as a frantic voice cut in. All agents, now! We've got Anning Black! Thanks for joining us today. I hope you come back to our table soon. You can find us on social media. On Instagram, we're at brpte. And on Twitter we're at best RP Table Ever. Robert Long played Snake McCready. You can find him at Improv Robert on Instagram. Anthony Suarez played Wade Dagger.